So I have some, I guess I could say, uh, good news, bad news uh, to share with you guys as, as our church family. Um, so as some of you may or may not know, uh, this week it was the NBA draft. And uh, the good news for you guys, I guess, is I did not get drafted this year. Um, the bad news is I'm still your pastor, so I'm really sorry about that. No, it's interesting. I always enjoy watching kind of the draft process, whether it's in the NBA or the NFL or, or MLB, which is crazy because they have like 5,000 rounds and they have like uh, high schoolers get drafted and all that sort of stuff. But I find it so interesting because when, when, when these teams start trying to invest into players, you know, they're, they're, they're looking hopefully for someone who is going to be the new face of their franchise. And they, they go all out doing all of this research, looking into these people. I mean, they interview uh, their, their third grade teachers. They interview their, their mommy's, auntie's cousin, mama's hairdresser, just to find out all of these things, because they want to know not just are you good, you have the intangible athletics, do you have the drive and, and all that, but what's your character like? Are there any things uh, that's hidden behind? And they do all of this thorough research. And what's amazing is they're kind of like weather people, right? They can get it wrong and keep their job. Uh, there can be really big busts that happen. But I find it interesting, this year in particular in the NBA draft, there was someone who got drafted number two overall, uh, hailing from Murray State University. How many of you guys have actually, like, I mean, maybe you've heard about it from the tournament, but, like, most of you, if you're honest, like, that's not really a big university, right? That's not one where we think of, like, that is the powerhouse. And so this kid actually uh went from being uh only recruited by one really really big school which he didn't even end up going to uh in being sort of this sort of obscure unknown guy to going to become uh the number 2 pick in the NBA draft it's amazing how there are stories like that right how there are people who kind of come from obscurity and are placed into a place where this guy is now going to be sort of the face of this franchise he they're looking to him to somewhat be this savior well, we are in uh, kind of the middle of our series called Genesis. And Genesis uh, means beginning. And we've been looking at the very first book of the Bible, which is called Genesis. And it tells the beginnings of God and his relationship with us, his creation. And uh, we've talked about all sorts of stuff. We've talked about creation. We've talked about sin and shame. We've talked about the very first uh, sibling rivalry slash murder uh, last week we talked about uh, how God hit the reset button with the story of Noah. And we talked also about how Noah, immediately after God makes this beautiful promise, how I'll never flood the earth again, I'll never do any of these things again, just completely blows it. Now, there's a story we don't have enough time for, but you should go look it up sometime called uh, The Tower of Babel. Very interesting, uh, unique story. But again, basically what happens from Noah until the story that we're going to get into this morning, pretty much... Humanity continues to do bad. They continue to look for ways in which they can reject and forget God and live independently. You know, so much of the story of Genesis is this story of a loving God trying to have a perfect relationship with his people. And his people constantly not wanting to let go of control. They're wanting to own things. They're wanting to do things their own way. Even after they've seen their ancestors who came before them do the wrong, and the, this, this pattern of sin and destruction, they continue to do that. And so, this morning, we're going to talk about the story of Abram, or more commonly referred to, as we know, Abraham. 
And if you grew up in church, then you'll probably be able to sing along with me, right? Father Abraham, he had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I'm one of them. Oh, man, that's fun. <laughs> Does that count as me leading worship this morning? I'm going to count that. Abraham, though. Abraham becomes the patriarch of the family of God. And we're going to talk about all of what that means uh, this morning. But Abraham, we could not spend uh, the proper time with. But this series, hopefully, if you realize, the idea of it is it's, it's sort of this overview to get us thinking about the Old Testament, to get us to connect dots. And so Abraham's story, actually, you'll even see on your bulletin, it spans from Genesis chapter 12 to chapter 25. And so I hope you guys have, have extra time because we're going to try to read through every bit of that this morning. Um, okay, no, we're not. We're going to kind of do the highlights in there. But Abraham is kind of plucked from obscurity. There's nothing um, really great about him. There's nothing that we know about him that's really interesting. In fact, let's be honest. If you're God and uh, you're all-knowing, you can see into the future, you know exactly what's going to happen. And then you could think about you're going to draft sort of the patriarch of the family that you are going to use to redeem and restore relationship with yourself and the rest of the world. Let me, let me throw out a few things from Abraham's story and let me think about, would you guys probably choose this person? So how about this? Um, someone who was a coward and said his wife was his sister twice. Someone who slept with his wife's maidservant to have a child. Oh, by the way, it was his wife's idea. Guys, that's always that's a bad idea. He fell into the trap. Just saying. Uh, what about this? Uh, has a troublesome nephew who he's super loyal to, uh, who is constantly kind of getting in trouble. Someone who laughed at God's promises. And let's just throw in a weird thing. Somebody who was circumcised at 99. Oof. Weird. Yeah, I'm, I'm seeing some shaking heads from guys like, nope, nope, I'm out. I'm with you. I'm glad we're, we're past that part. It's interesting though, right? Abraham is the patriarch of the family. He's, he's known as someone who is righteous and faithful. And yet, man, Abraham throughout his life messes up in some pretty significant ways. You know, it's interesting too when people are like, I don't like the Bible. I don't like the Old Testament. It's so boring. Like this feels like if I was to read this to you without saying this from the Bible, you'd probably be like, oh, that's an episode of Jerry Springer, right? Like, that's what it feels like, right? And here's what I think is important for us to understand, is that God calls and uses imperfect people for his perfect purposes and plan. This morning, that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about the lessons that we can learn from the life of Abraham, and in particular, the fact that God wants to use each and every one of us for some really amazing things. And it's not because we're perfect. It's not because we're all that in a bag of chips. It's not because we're never going to mess up again. It's just that. That God has a track record, a history, starting uh, even before Abraham, with using people who are not that great, who honestly screw the pooch a lot. In fact, here's what's interesting. God's calling defies race, age, gender, education, previous experience, family of origin, skills, looks, and even faithfulness itself. It's incredible how the God of all the universe, who in some ways, if you could think of him being the GM of the universe, like he's, he's doing some pretty bad draft picks here. 
Like you couldn't fire God, but I'm just saying it's not the greatest. But what it reminds us and what I hope you hear this morning, my friends, is not to tune out and say, all right, Aaron's talking to the leaders this morning or Aaron is talking to uh, the people who've got it together. No, 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 I'm talking to every single one of us this morning. We're going to talk about kind of what our calling is. But this is what happens uh, starting in Genesis chapter 12. We're going to kind of read in and out of uh, parts of Genesis this morning. And I, again, would encourage you, take time. If you've never read or it's been a while since you've read, spend some time this week and read uh, the story of Abraham. It's fascinating, it's interesting, and it's kind of an easy read, too. It's not like some of those where you're going to have, like, weird laws or genealogies throughout a lot of it. It's more of a narrative. It's a story. All right, so this is what it says. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all people, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Now, Abraham at this moment is about 70 years old. He's an older guy. I'm not, like, sorry if I did, I'm not offending anyone here this morning. 70 now is the new 40 in this culture, but back then it was a little different, okay? So don't, don't get mad at me. But he's older in age. Him and his wife, Sarah, they have no children. Ancient culture, that's a huge deal because, you know, your name being passed on and all that sort of stuff and kind of having workers is a big deal. And so this nomadic nobody, older man, is called out by God. And it's interesting And this is where sometimes I get annoyed when people will be like, well, obviously the God of the Old Testament is different than Jesus in the New Testament. Jesus just changes everything and like kind of throws out the Old Testament. It's like, are you kidding me? This whole time, because some people will get into this idea of like, well, it's not fair. Like God had this special relationship with the Jewish people and it's not cool. And what about all the other people? And we realize right here that God did not choose a favorite to just sort of bless one group of people, and curse or damn everyone else. What we see right here is this, is that God's intention was to call out this family, to use this family to be a blessing, what? To all people. God's hope, his desire. Now, if we go back to the very beginning, God creates this perfect place. We call it the Garden of Eden. We call it uh, this, this paradise, right? And at the very beginning, that's God's hope. His hope and desire is to have this place where he and his creation, the people he created in his image, could have this relationship where there's no sin, there's no shame, and it's just sort of perfect. And so constantly, the story of the Old Testament, the story of Genesis, is God trying to recreate that, trying to restore that relationship that's been broken by sin. And so when God is uh, giving this call to Abraham, he's calling him to set him apart, to make him holy, to make him different. So that way, not just so he can be like, Abram, you and your family are going to be blessed, you're going to be great, and forget everyone else. But it's this idea that it draws back everyone back into this relationship with this God. In the same way later, we'll talk about this a little bit more in a few minutes, but in the same way, that is Jesus' mission. That's the idea of the kingdom that we spent a lot of time this spring talking about. It's the idea that the kingdom of God is for everyone. That Jesus does not wish to see anyone perish, but would wish for all to be saved, all to be brought back into the family of God. And so let me tell you this this morning, and maybe you don't know this, but do you realize that you have a calling? Every single one of us have a calling. 
Now, some of you would say, well, no, 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 callings are only for like pastors or like worship leaders or children's people. Like, I'm just an accountant. I'm just a stay-at-home parent. I am retired. Uh, I'm a teacher. The reality is every single one of us have a calling. You have been called to do the good that God has called you to. Now, it looks different in certain people's uh, vantage points. For me, my, mine is a calling to teach God's word and to help uh, create disciples. Now, all of us are called to do that, but I, I'm called on a, uh, maybe on a different scale of that. But you, as a teacher, are called to be an amazing teacher to point others back to God. You, who are an accountant, are called to do this in an amazing way that helps call people back to God. Now, it's not even just that, like, I'm a Christian uh, accountant. No, you're an accountant, but you're also a Christ follower, and the Christ follower comes first. But this whole idea is that every single one of us has a calling, but everybody's chief calling is to love God and to love all people. Not just a certain section of people, but all people. And so out of this idea that all of us have a a vocation, and vocation comes from this word that actually means voice. We all have a voice in this world. But the idea is that, yes, we all have somewhat unique callings in our lives. And some of us are trying to figure out what that is. But... At the end of the day, the chief calling that every single one of us, especially as followers of Jesus, have is to love God, to love other people. And not just some people, all people. We're reminded this uh, in the Gospel of Matthew when Jesus is asked, hey, what's the greatest commandment? What's the things that matter most? And this is what he replies. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Jesus makes it pretty simple. He actually also quotes from the Old Testament. He doesn't actually create something new. He's not like, well, let me tell you now about how bad the Old Testament it is, and uh, here's this new thing. He actually just quotes from it. But that's this reminder that at the end of the day, no matter what we're doing, Jesus was a, a carpenter, a builder, a person by trade. He was also a rabbi, and he had a vocation But the greater vocation for him and all of us is just this, that we love God, and out of that we love God's creation, all people. It's this idea that this calling for God's people has been the same all the way back from then. It's not like all of a sudden there became this new sort of way of life, this new sort of thing. Yes, Jesus changed some things. Yes, he he became the way. But there's this reality that this has always been God's plan. This has always been God's hope, his desire for us. You guys ever had a deep desire, a deep desire in your heart? You know, I shared my one of my deep desires was I wanted to be in the NBA. And I, I believe that God wanted me to go into ministry. So he made me uh, vertically challenged and not really have any great athletic skills or uh, anything like that. So that's it is what it is. We're still working it out. Me and God, we're cool, though. That's a littler one, but some of us have some really deep desires that are hard. They're painful. Abraham and Sarah had this desire for a family. They had this desire for this family, and even after God called them and they began to follow after him, there still was this sense that God wasn't filling this void. There was still this painfulness. And one day, Abraham has this conversation with God, and he's basically saying, listen, like, I want to follow you, but this just hurts so bad. And he begins to tell God, like, how great is it, this is terrible, that that probably one of my nephews is going to be this heir to me. At this point, Abraham had actually began to accumulate quite a bit of wealth. He 
God had really blessed him and made him successful in many different ways. So God took Abraham outside. And he said this in Genesis chapter 15. Look up at the sky and count the stars. If indeed you can count them, then he said, so shall your offering, your, your offspring be. Now, again, we're talking at this point, Abraham's about 75 years old. Now imagine if, if I could take a 75-year-old person in this room and say, you are about to have a ton of kids. Let me just tell you what. Some of you would say, curse you, and you are crazy. But you have to imagine, this has to seem crazy, but as it says, Abraham believed, and the Lord credited him as righteous. You know, the truth is, for some of us, we feel like God has given us certain promises, there are certain desires of our hearts that maybe align with the will of God. And that's a whole separate conversation of how do we figure out what that is. But I think some of us need a visual representation. Some of us have stopped counting the stars. Some of us have given up on the promises of God. We've said, God, you called me, and then you left. Some of us do what Abraham does, which is pretty stupid. And we feel like God promised us something, and God hasn't gotten there yet. And we decide to take matters in our own hands. Now, I'm going to assume most of us probably didn't uh, do the way that Abraham and Sarah did, which was, you know, sleep with your maidservant to get pregnant. Hopefully, I don't think anyone that's prior to their story in here. But probably some of us have stories we could tell where we felt like God had made a promise to us and we grew impatient. We tried to rush the process. You know, it's interesting how oftentimes we think we can take control. Again, this is that whole theme throughout the story of Genesis, and really throughout the story of Bible. We don't want to be dependent on God. We want independence so, so bad. Honestly, it's even harder, I think, for us as Americans because it's almost hardwired into us. We have this DNA of we pull ourselves up by the bootstrap. We can make ourselves into anything we want. We can earn whatever we want. We, we have all of these things. I'm not saying all of that necessarily is bad, but when we apply it to our lives, especially in a spiritual realm, we begin to believe lies that, you know what, here's what I think it is. Maybe when God said that he promised me that, maybe he just He forgot about it, so I'm going to kind of speed up the process for him. And many of us could probably tell stories of how we've tried to do those things. I've done it in my own life and how I've been burned. And you know what then the sad reality is? I'm either mad at God because I'm in trouble or I'm calling out God to get me out of the trouble. We can't rush these processes. What's interesting, and in, 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 in that's a long tangent, but out of this uh child that is born from the maidservant becomes this kind of evil dude. And I I feel bad because honestly, if you read his story, it's quite tragic. In the Old Testament, they have names that, you know, they meant certain things. And uh, his his is quite literally just like a bad thing. I can't remember the word off the top of my head, but it's it's one of those where like, it'd be like if you were just named like accident or uh, (laughs) terrible or wrath. I mean, how, how would you like that? You know, he's eventually actually sent away him and his mom. 
It's this really kind of tragic thing that happens, and I feel so terrible for them, and I think even God uh, really felt terrible for that moment and for those people. But out of that created bigger issues for the people of God later on. And it's this reminder that sin compounds. It's oftentimes like a little snowball that's going down a hill, and it slowly over time is going to accumulate more and more and more, and eventually it's going to hit you. It's going to hit you really hard. So here's what we have to learn from this as followers of Jesus. God will fulfill his promises when we are pursuing his calls. There, there, there is a bit of a transactional piece of that. He's going to fulfill his promises when we're holding up our end. But we have to be patient. We have to be patient. I said last week, God's promises on this side of heaven don't have an expiration date. When we're, when we're keeping up our end of the bargain, there's not an expiration date on it. We have to be patient. And that's hard. But the truth is, it's in the time of waiting that I think God does the most work inside of us. It's in those moments where we feel so uncomfortable because we recognize this fact that God has to move. God has to do something for this to happen. That's really uncomfortable because we so desperately want to do it ourselves. And yet one of the most beautiful acts of surrender, what God has called us as his people to do, is to just let go. And trust him to just jump. How my three-year-old loves to jump. My three-year-old plays this fun game where if, if dad is within a 10-foot radius, he will jump off anything as high as he can. Catch me, daddy. I will say I have yet to drop him yet. But there's this truth that if we truly want to follow after God, if we want all of the promises that he has for us, we have to just completely Trust him and stop trying to work out everything ourselves. We have to be patient. Now, eventually, here's here's what happens. Kind of speed up the story. Eventually, they're still getting annoyed that it hasn't happened yet. Uh, There's a visitor that comes and tells them that Sarah will be pregnant soon. And and they both laugh. Both, both, Both Sarah, who overhears the conversation, and Abraham, who's having the conversation, they both laugh because they've almost given up on the promise. And sure enough... They have a little boy named Isaac. And this just becomes one of many children that they end up having. And so can you imagine if you got that greatest desire that you ever wanted? Can you imagine if you if you got that child and, and, and it's just your pride and joy and it just feels good? I mean, some of us have, have experienced that, right? We've, we've found a certain calling in our life. We've, we've experienced where God has uh, fulfilled a promise. He's, he, he's kind of fulfilled a desire of our heart that we had. Can you imagine, though, if God came to you and said, hey, the greatest pride that you enjoy that you have, this this son that I gave you, I want you to take him up to a mountain, and there I'm going to ask that you're going to sacrifice him. What would you do? Not about 11 o'clock on Friday night, one of my sons, I would have thought about it just going to be honest. But truthfully, I can't imagine what would have ran through Abraham's mind. Why would he ask me to do this? Why now? I thought he was good. But Abraham, who was credited righteous, who was faithful, trusted God. And so he, he, he took this pilgrimage, and this is where we pick up the story in Genesis chapter 22. 
Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son Abraham replied, the fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham responded, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. Two of them went together. Now, Abraham is fully ready to go through with it. Gets everything set. I mean, I, I feel bad for Isaac. Like, man, dude has a traumatic life, right? Can you imagine if your dad almost sacrificed you? And as, God, as, as Abraham was about ready to follow through on God's call, even though it was crazy, even though he didn't like it, even though he didn't understand it, he chose to still be faithful and try to follow through. God stopped him. Sure enough, as Abraham said, God provided the lamb. You see, my friends, when we follow God's call, he will provide for every need we have. When we're following his call that he has has placed for each and every one of us, we don't have to worry about will God show up? Will God provide? You know, that's the story of Jesus. Every single one of us were doomed. Every single one of us had no chance. We, we were going to a mountain, and all that was there for us is destruction. And yet, in the last moment, when it seemed like all hope was lost, God provided the lamb, and that lamb is Jesus. My friends, when God calls us, we have to stop being so fearful, so worried about what about this, what about that. doesn't mean we're stupid. doesn't mean we follow the desires of our heart because oftentimes we want them to just be what God is calling us to. That's why we read Scripture. That's why we seek wise counsel. That's why we uh, pray is we try to align ourselves with God's will. So, for example, I'll just tell you, if, if you think that the will of God for you is just to exploit people and make tons of money so that way you can retire early, that may not be the will of God. I'm just going to throw it out there. But if your hopes and your desires, they fit within the idea, the teachings of Jesus and his kingdom, I really do think he's going to provide every single need that you have. I've had moments in my life and I know some of you do too because you've shared with me, where God has called you to do something, to write a certain check, to move to a certain place, to reach out to a certain person, and it was a huge risk. There was no guarantees of what was going to happen. And it's amazing how God always provides. Not in our timing, not even how we want, but oftentimes in ways that just blow our minds, that leave us with no question whether or not it was God who is the one who provided. In Galatians chapter 3, we're told this. So also Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him righteousness. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles, those who are the non-Jews, by faith, and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. This is where we connect these dots again. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham and the man of faith. And it goes on later in verse 14 saying this. It's talking about Jesus. 
He redeemed us in order that the blessing giving to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, so that by faith we may receive the promise of the Spirit. Friends, these ancient promises that were given originally to this family are given to us today. The reason we sing the song, Father Abraham had many sons, I am one of them and so are you, is because this promise of blessing, this promise of relationship has been given to all of us when we experience faith in Jesus Christ, when we choose to give our lives over to him. But the big thing becomes in the same way that Abraham was called and he chose to follow. The question becomes, will we follow as well? Will we be willing to to take on this call that is dangerous, it's scary, that it will take us places we never thought, that will call us to do things that are uncomfortable? But the truth is, at the end of the day, it worked out pretty good for Abraham. And since it worked out pretty good for Abraham, that means it works out pretty good for us. My friends, here is this. Would you not miss this this morning? God's people are called to be a blessing and a bridge for all people back to God. We have been called to be reconciled back to God. This morning, if you don't know that, if you didn't know that that the God of all the universe really truly wants to be with you, would you hear that this morning? Would you not allow voices that tell you you aren't good enough, that tell you, God could never use me. You don't know the thing I've done. God could never use me. You don't know the thoughts that are in my head. Some of us this morning are are also hearing this idea of God. God doesn't want to use me to help bring people back to God. I'm too old. I'm this, 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 this sort of person. I, I, I've done these sort of things. Some of us even this morning are hearing, no, 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 no. I'm this gender. I can't do that. In the beginning, God created man and woman in his image. We were created as kings and queens. Some of us are saying, God is done with me. I have tried it before. I failed before. And this morning you need to hear that God is a God of second and third and fourth. And I could keep going forever, but I would run out of breath and you guys would get hungry and I have to go to the bathroom. Chances. He never, ever will give up on you. In the same way that Abraham, who was messed up, who did some goofy things, never did his goofiness, never did his unfaithfulness supersede God's faith. And that's true in your life as well. There is nothing in this world that can separate you from the love of God. Nothing. So this morning I'm going to ask us to stand. We're going to sing one last song. And I'm going to pray. And as I pray, my hope and desire is that your your ears and your hearts would be open this morning to hear from God. Maybe this morning you need to hear that you are worthy, that you are a son, that you are a daughter. Maybe for some of you this morning you need to hear that God has a deep and amazing calling upon your life. And it may be something radically different than what you're doing right now. Some of you may be called in the same way that Abraham was from one place to leave his land, to leave this, his, your job, to leave your fill-in-the-blank, and God wants to use you in an amazing way. I don't know what it is, but this morning as we pray, would you just listen and be open to what the Spirit may have to say? Let's pray.
God, I thank you for who you are. And God, I thank you for the fact that, God, in your goodness, God, you use imperfect people like me. And God, even when we fail, you never stop using us. God, you never stop pursuing us. You never stop loving us. And God, even when it seems like we're heading up to a mountain empty-handed, God, we know that you always provide for every need that we have. God, we know that in the most amazing way, God, you provided the ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate lamb, the lamb of God, your son, Jesus Christ. And God, this morning, I thank you and I praise you for him. I thank you for the way that he is this bridge back to you for us. I thank you for the way that his blood was shed to pay the debt that we could never pay. And God, I thank you for the fact that you are forgiving and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love. So God, this morning, I pray that if there's anyone in this room, God, who, who, who has not been in relationship with you ever or who has walked away, God, I pray this morning that they would have a homecoming that they would be embraced by you, that they would experience freedom in you, that they would experience how marvelous and how wonderful truly you are. God, for those of us, God, who maybe as, as I was talking this morning heard the word calling, God, I pray that maybe there's imagery that you put in our head right now. God, maybe it's a place to go on a mission trip. God, maybe for some of us it's to get baptized and and to begin to share with our friends, our family, that we are new creations in Christ. Maybe it is a ministry here in town. Maybe it's a ministry here in church. Whatever it is, God, I pray that if there's a calling you've placed on our life, God, I pray that it would be a burning passion inside of us that would not go away. That, God, you would give us the courage to move our feet in the direction that you want us to go. God, no matter what in this moment, would we just hear from you? Would we experience just a, a, a warmth, God, of your presence, just reminding us that we are loved because we are sons and we are daughters. Nothing less, nothing more. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.